And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. Coming up over the next half an hour or so, we're going to bask in the glory of that victory against a struggling League One side in the FA Cup. We're also going to mop up some updates on Ineos and some January transfer business to talk about too, but I'll introduce you to our crew to begin. Laurie Whitwell is here, Andy Mitten is here, and Laurie is fresh from his trip to Wigan, and Andy is fresh from his trip to the Passport office. Oh, it wasn't your passport, was it? The security at the airport, Andy. I think we need to start with this. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you might as well start laughing at me. I lost my wallet in Lisbon Airport on the 19th of December, which was my birthday. I lost it between security and uh, boarding an aircraft and registered as lost. And two days later, they said, we found your wallet. I thought, result, I'm going back through there in a couple of weeks. Picked it up last Wednesday, signed for it. The policeman said, you're very lucky to have your wallet, driving license and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know how long I kept it for? Three hours and lost it again. And that was a week ago. I'm still gutted with myself. I'm proper gutted. You can take the piss out of me. Has it gone gone now then? Well, it hasn't been handed in in the last week. And the first time it was handed in after two days. So I'm going to email him again. It's got like my credit cards in it. None of them have been used. And uh, I'm disgusted with myself. And like for the first time in 17 years, I know my wife, she refused to speak to me for a day. What, because she was so annoyed at you for losing your wallet yeah, again? Not even her wallet, is it? It's mine. <laughs> Just tell her it's, a, it's an age thing. These well, things it might happen be an in age thing, might decade, it? you know. It might be. <laughs> I'm gutted. <laughs> so cheers for bringing that up. That's all right. No one's going to be listening to this in Lisbon Airport, are they? I will give you a reward because I'm going to have a right nose now getting everything back. But yeah. Well, by the way, if they are listening in Lisbon Airport, have a look for Andy's wallet and either way, email us, devilspod at theathletic.com and let us know if you can... You can find Andy's wallet if you are by a miracle going through Lisbon Airport. Didn't need a passport to get to Wigan, though, did you, Larry? No, I didn't, but I love the idea that somebody might now be using Andy's ID just around the no. place. Like, yeah, I am the guy that started United We Stand when I was 15. And, and yeah, I am the, I'm the big I am at Man United. It, it, yeah, what of it? <laughs> I have been to Newport County, which we'll talk about <laughs> later as well. What a fantastic draw that is. But not easily, yeah. Or okay, easily. We'll get on to that. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's talk about Wigan. Let's get into that before Andy uh, goes a complete deep shade of red. Bruno Fernandes goes to ground looking for the penalty and looks like he's got it. Well it seemed really light for me. Is there contact? Yes. But there's not enough contact. Up against Sam Tickle of League One Wigan. Sends him the wrong way and surely sends Manchester United through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. Weird game, wasn't it? Uh, Critch, our mate, has written on The Athletic about it being sort of like a comfortable win 
for Manchester United, a routine win of which there's not been many this year, but somehow you still found yourself not being that happy with it, Laurie. Yeah, I think I think overall you've got to be you know, satisfied with it because United created a lot of um, chances and it was pretty comfortable. But yeah, it should have been a lot more comfortable a lot sooner. Some really bad misses. And yeah, against a League One team... 53 places below. Um, they, 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 I mean, they, they, they had the first chance of the game, didn't they? There was shade of Sean Maloney in 2012 when the, the forward raced through and Onana, you know, playing because he's not gone to AFCON. You know, he's um, actually called upon uh, straight away. So that had a little bit of jeopardy about it. But United clearly were just the much better team. And um, the idea, though, that they should have wrapped it up a lot sooner and maybe then Tenar could have made substitutions as the game wore on, um, would have been nice. I mean, it actually relied on Bruno Fernandes having a bit of a you know, sort of dodgy penalty, soft penalty. He, he made the most of it, didn't he? I mean, this might be a controversial take, but if you do that against Liverpool or Manchester City in a vital game in the Premier League, fair enough. I, I don't think it's a great luck doing that against League One. Right, so yeah, you're, you're criticising yeah, I mean, the guy's obviously slid in, hasn't he, short? And it's a foul, it's a penalty, probably. But yeah, it, I, I think that, but that, that sort of shows that it's 1-0 and Bruno Fernandes is thinking, uh, you know, 3-0, is he doing that? Probably not, no. Yeah. But at 1-0, he's probably thinking, well, this is actually an opportunity for us to get a 2-0 and just make sure that we're through in the next round. I mean, Tenag went really strong, didn't he? As strong as he possibly could. You had the Ineos team in the stand and he's thinking, there's no way I want an embarrassing upset here. And I think Fernandes was thinking along the same lines. But yeah, there was, there was some really good moments. You know, Maynard again, I thought, maturity, brilliant. Um, Garnacho, I thought, again on the right, um, showed that he is two-footed. You know, that, that left-footed shot against the bar and he had one later on. A couple of really nice crosses. I mean, Hoyland should have scored from that one that he put onto his head. I thought that was good. Rashford had a bit of purpose in the first half, perhaps lost his way a little bit second half. So there was some good performances. I possibly think Hoyland, it was a bad evening for him because he, you know, he got in some moments. He was more involved than usual, but they're the kind of chances that you need to be putting away. And it just would have helped keep the momentum going after his goal against Aston Villa, I think. Whereas now you're sort of thinking, you're having a little bit of doubt, I suppose, in terms of if he gets in those positions again in the Premier League. Andy, what do you think? United used to beat Wigan all the time, apart from one game in 2012, which we're not going to mention, when they're in the Premier League. So beating a team who are at the wrong end of England's third tier is no achievement, but it was needed. Big away following, rare away cup match for Manchester United. I know we've drawn another one, which we will talk about. I'm with Laurie in that there were some positives and there were some negatives as well. I think people have been... Very critical of of Marcus Rashford. I don't buy into it as strongly as some. I don't think he had a great game, but he took eight shots. That's not his worst game, absolutely is it? by any stretch. I mean, he, he took eight shots. I don't think he's had more shots on target in any game this season. He was creating his own space. He thought he'd scored when the ball had gone across the line. But yeah, I get that it could be frustrating to watch. Garnacho, I think it's fifteen starts now on the bounce. Um, Aaron Wambazaka. If he starts at the weekend, that'll be the first time he's put five games together this season. Hoyland, he should be scoring. I get why there's criticism there. You've got to be scoring those chances. Yeah. You just have to be. Uh, McTominay, six shots. Should have done a better. Lovely finish by Diogo Dolo. I wouldn't even say it was a banana skin because I felt that Manchester United were always going to win. Look at the, the difference in the league tables between where the two teams are. Um, job well done and it was done and I think the FA Cup 
could be the saving of Ten Hag, just as it was with Ferguson in 89-90. Arsenal going out, City drawing Tottenham in the next round, means that we're starting to see openings of, of possibilities of hopefully not meeting Manchester City in the final. <laughs> the positivity that was like <laughs> pouring out of your pores as that sentence sort of stumbled its way through was overwhelming. <laughs> what, what are the odds on getting like six away draws in a row, Andy? Would you be happy with that? I'd be happy if there were grounds I've not, not been to. Like I've not been to Eastleigh, but I have been to Newport. But I also have to remember that I do a fanzine and we need home games to sell the fanzine. And we're completely snookered now because we've only got one home game this month and that's not enough. So you can see how I'm like divided on, on the whole thing. So when we kept getting drawn at home, I was secretly all right with it, even though loads of fans were buzzing off it because we're unhappy about it because money kept being taken out of their account. I know that the lad who edited the programme at United was just, oh no, not another one because you've got to produce a publication for each game. And there were runs of fours and fives. <laughs> Look, Eastleigh or Newport, and then let's just have a few nice home games, please, right the way through to the final, win it, end this season on a high. That's my, my best case scenario. Now we've mentioned the draw, let's talk about that. We'll come back to the game and the different talking points in a moment. So Newport County or Eastleigh, or Eastleigh, sorry. I think that's the right way of pronouncing it. Eastleigh is probably close to where United were last night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true, yeah. <laughs> Even struggling with the pronunciation of English names these days. Uh, don't write in strongly worded emails about that. We'll have to play Victor Lindelof pronouncing words again. Anyway, um, Andy, have you ever been to either of these two? Have United played Newport County or Eastleigh before? No, never. In answer to the last part of your question. What about the first part? yes. Yeah, on um, I think the 31st of December 2015, I drove four hours by myself to Newport just so that I could say that I'd been to Newport's ground. I had tried to go there once on the way to Swansea, but ran out of time. Got off the train at Newport, started walking to the ground, crossed, there's a really ugly river in Newport where the tide goes really high and really low, ran back to the station, carried on to Swansea, so yeah, I have been there. Eastleigh, I have seen the ground, but I've not seen a, a game there. It's near Southampton. So I hope for Eastleigh just because I've not been to Eastleigh. And I realise this all sounds very sad, but you asked me a question and there's your answer. Well, you've done the full 92, haven't you, Andy? Full yeah. 92 football league clubs. Is it still, there's no no new ground no, that you I, need to attend? Can, we didn't talk about it on the pod. I completed it in November. It was recent. Yeah, it was recent. It was the day after United beat Fulham. I went to Wimbledon away and um, saw them play Cheltenham in the FA Cup, and that was the 92nd uh, ground. But Eastleigh is obviously a non-league ground. I've done about 18 of the National League ones. Eastleigh's not one of them. But I, I could describe the ground to you. I realise I, I need help with what I'm telling you with all this sort of stuff. But You could describe Eastleigh's ground that you've never been to. Yeah, I could describe any, any ground in the top five divisions. Could you just what like what seen pictures of it? Yeah, and like memorised them and I could tell you any ground. You say what's behind the end at any ground, I'll, I'll tell you. Like Eastleigh have got a 2,000 seater behind one end. Okay, well, let's do it then. Why am I even setting myself up here? Eastleigh. Go on then, yeah. What's the stadium called to start with? I don't know because they all get sponsors' names now. Oh. So I know like the... Well, what's the traditional name? Silver Lake, is it? 
Silver Lake right. Stadium oh, wow. uh, is, is the sponsor. sponsor. The original oh. name's Ten Acres. Right. They used to play at Walnut Avenue. Doesn't that sound quaint? Yeah. Right. How big is it? I mean, it, uh, these are easy for me because I've just refreshed them last night, but it's 5,200. And most of that is um, 2,000 green seats behind the goal. It's quite an ugly stand, but it's quite a big stand <laughs> for that level of football. You just called a river ugly and a stand ugly. What makes a river ugly? Well, the one in Newport, it leaves like these massive mud flats by the side of it, and that oh, okay. caused yeah. that that caused me some concern. But the bridge over it, the river Usk. was nice. Yeah, it was Usk. Newport's the third biggest city in Wales. It, it's it is surprisingly big. They used to play at Summerton Park. Had a night out there. It had a speedway track around it. It was quite a clunky stadium, but they've played European football because they're a Welsh side. Eastley are a more recent riser. They've got a lad playing for them called Aidan Barlow, who, who was at Manchester United. I was going to go and see him a couple of years ago when he was uh, he moved to Doncaster, uh, but I, but I didn't get to do that. So yeah, Eastley are like arrivists. They've um, they're, they're not an established non-league team of, of that level. So for either of them to get Manchester United will be the biggest game in their history. I would suspect that both would look at boosting their capacity by erecting temporary stands. Okay, yeah. And I've actually looked at both grounds to see whether that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, have you done your you've done your safety sort of measures and uh, and looked at the, the full assessment then yeah well it is possible at Newport and they did it a few years ago against Tottenham okay Eastly, I've got some sightline issues because I think the main stand's going to get in the way of where the stand would go in this car park <laughs> okay well we'll Maybe talk about that when we know exactly who Manchester United are playing. The replay is Tuesday the 16th, so a week today. And it's at Eastleigh as well, which is interesting. They're the lower-ranked team, but they're the ones who earned the replay. And they both got a chance to play Manchester United. And we'll talk about Andy's stadium fetish a little bit closer to that game what, what again, of course. It's, it's Newport, isn't it? We don't even have a pizza hut. Newport, down the M4 motorway. Famous for cheese and chips, not Craig Bellamy. I catch you in a Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right, let's get back into last night. That front three, Andy, Rashford, Hoyland, Garnacho, is that the way forward now for this team, do you think? Yeah, but I think Hoyland has got to start scoring. Laurie sort of touched on this. There's been times where he's not been getting any service at all and it's been hard to blame him. There were opportunities last night which he should have put in the goal against a League One team. And he is making the runs and we know what all his virtues are. So unless another striker comes in in January... I think that that is Hoyland's place, but he's got to start scoring. The time is now. I think Garnacho has, has really impressed, becoming more confident. He tried a, a brilliant shot last night, which almost came off. And Rashford is probably the one I'd have the most concern about of those players because he's been nowhere near as productive as in as in recent seasons. Got Bruno in the middle, getting around everywhere, making himself really busy. Setting up players last night, settled McTominay about 16 times last night. But 
I think Garnacho last night, involved in the overloads before the opening goal, set up Hoyland, hit the crossbar. So he's probably the one who's proven me wrong. I had doubts about him at the start of this season. I wasn't sure he was good enough to be a regular for Manchester United and he's proven me wrong. The thing with last night as well, Laurie, there seemed to be a lot more onus on getting the ball into the box, didn't there? I don't know how many crosses it ended up being for United, but it felt like a lot more than we've seen. Maybe that's the opposition, but it certainly felt like that was the way to supply, like Andy saying, McTominay, supply Hoyland. You'd like to think that Rashford in, in slightly better form will be getting in at the back post on, on crosses from the right-hand side as well, potentially. It definitely felt a little bit different, that. Yeah, I do think it was a lot to do with the opposition just because they sort of sat deep, didn't they, and packed the box. So you had like eight players, eight Wigan players in the box at, at different points. And to you be fair, do face that a lot, in fairness. It might be better yeah. defenders, better level, but that approach is not that unfamiliar. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And, and I mean, and that's where I actually thought Rashford did well in shifting the ball quickly and then having a shot. Now, a lot of his shots were sort of struck just hard, you know, so the keeper was able to kind of parry them. Maybe one or two could have been placed. Like, like Dollows was, you know, he, that that didn't look like from our angle he had any chance of scoring. You know, um, he'd, I know he'd scored against Sheffield United, so you kind of know he's got this in his locker, but it, it just looked too crowded, but actually threaded it beautifully. Uh, really nice strike. I think that emboldened him in the second half, didn't it, to have that uh, volley that went about two double-decker buses over the crossbar and ended near the back of the stand behind and the guy headed it, the f- the fan behind, and he got like a round of applause and, you know, United fans are asking Dallow what the fuck was that? Um, but I think, you know, fair enough. You're allowed a crack like that when you've scored the first one, so I don't mind. Um, but yeah, in, in a game of misses, that was probably the, the widest miss there was. Um, but uh, but yeah, in terms of actually the way that United approached it, I think you had a nice, you know, Manu was really smart in being able to drop when uh, a defender went up. I mean, Johnny Evans was up at like left wing early on and, and Maynard was yeah. kind of the one that sat back and, and just knew that he needed to be guarding. And, and, and he, you know, he won the ball twice in midfield at one point. He'd won it back on a, a Wigan counter. Then McTominay kind of booted the ball at him and he had to win it again. And then McTominay, that, that was the move that McTominay kind of took off the toes of, of Hoyland and, and, and scoops it wide. So I just thought he was really, he's really important in being able to give United that level of control. Um, and I know that was the focus a lot, wasn't it, after the Forest game, the substitution that he, you know, Ten Hag made. But, you know, he, I think maybe there was something more to Maynou, you know, was was he suffering a little bit of illness? Because this illness thing just seems to be... I have you know, never known catching so everybody. many players be ill at one team. What is in it? such a short space of time. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Marshall's still out ill. Like This was like before Christmas. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, obviously I don't know the full details, so I don't want to be speaking out of turn, but like you you should be able to then take Hoyland out of the picture to to kind of give Marshall, you know, a go and, and just you know what I mean? Like it should there should be more flexibility. So I don't know what, what's going on, but Do you think they are all ill? Or, or is it just a catch-all term to describe unavailability? Possibly. I mean, Tenard doesn't like to get specific, does he, with, with, with injuries if he can avoid it? Because there has been a lot of people ill or classified as ill over the course yeah. of the entire season so far. And you look at other clubs, there's the odd one who's ill, but United are missing sort of multiple players, a lot of games, with illness. Yeah, I don't know. And obviously sometimes, you know, that can be a sort of euphemism, I suppose, for there's a little bit of 
issue, you know, I don't know, maybe between a manager and a player or maybe just in their own personal lives. I'm not saying that that's happened here at all, but I don't know in terms of the, the whole picture. Um, but yeah, it is sort of worth asking the question on just because, well, it then limits what Tanag can do and, and the kind of substitutions that he can make. And um, yeah, we all want to see youth on the bench and giving a chance. I mean, Amari Forson, um, I saw Nick Cox tweet was the 249th um, United player from the academy to make his first team debut. So I wonder who 250 is going to be. You know, it's nice to see. And in the FA Cup, fine. But then it kind of leads into the Premier League and you're thinking, OK, well, you're getting a little bit stretched here for kind of established quality that you can call upon. So, yeah, it's something to be investigated, I think, just, you know, the injuries. And I know, we're, you know, United are getting Casemiro and, and Martinez back soonish, but it didn't sound like it's going to be this month anyway, because there's only obviously... Oh, really? Well, there's only the Spurs game, isn't there? And then maybe the FA Cup game, but... Tenag basically said that uh, I think Luke Shaw might be back for the Spurs game. Uh, Christian Eriksen should be, he thinks. Harry Maguire is a small possibility, but he didn't mention Casemiro Martinez. So no, Mount um, was the next one as well. He was next. Mount, to be fair, one, yeah, yeah, Mason Mount could could do it. But it sounded like they. I mean, because I asked Tenag this on Friday, and he said that um, yeah, they've been on the grass a long time, but now they're starting to come back into team training. But it, it didn't seem like from what he was saying that they would be, you know, straight back into it. Yeah, I, I do wonder if if it is into February before we see them again. And what was the answer, do you think? Why, why was he missing? Uh, injury, they're saying, yeah. Again, it's tough to sort of know exactly, given it was unexpected and you kind of not, I don't know, I wasn't ready for that him to be out, but a small tweak, I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll have to find out. But yeah, again, it's one way you just like, it feels like every game, there's like a kind of unexpected absence that, you know, United then have to say, well, this is why, you know, illness or injury. And yeah, it's, it's difficult to keep track of them all, to be honest. Well, it is, isn't it? Because I, I, was it 13 missing last night, Andy? I mean, you've got Amrabat, who has gone to AFCON already. Obviously, Onana's still got this one extra game too. So there's a lot of players missing. I mean, were we surprised to see Andre Onana start that game? Um, I know we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast and him getting the extension, which we thought was definitely for the Spurs game. Did I expect him to start last night? I'm not sure if I did. We talked about it on, on the last one. And I think if you're going to be a second-choice goalkeeper... You might not expect to start all the time, but you also might expect to start some matches away at a third level team in the FA Cup. And I don't know what was sold to him when he joined from Fenerbahce. So I was a little bit surprised. I get that Anana wants to play for his club and also Hannibal Medjbury didn't want to go to the AFCON because he felt by staying in England, he would do his club football, be it at Manchester United or where else that would be better for for his career. With the injuries, I've never known a season like it. We've seen Liverpool in two of the last five seasons just see their season decimated by injuries. And the same thing has happened at Manchester United this season. It's the one reason why I think the pressure hasn't built up too much on Eric Ten Hag. Because there's been times, often, where there are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 players unable to play. My one slight worry is, at the start of this season, when Ten Hag played his absolute best team, we were taken apart by Wolves. That's my worry. It's all right saying Casemiro was great last year, and he was, and Lissandro Martinez was. They didn't start this season well. So I'm hoping that when they come back, we're seeing last season's Martinez or Casemiro, and not the ones who played the first two or three games of of, of, of this season in the case of um, Martinez and 
Casemiro's form really wasn't good, even though he, he scored a few few um, goals. But yeah, the injuries. So then, why are Manchester United getting the injuries? Is this something that Ineos looks into more deeply? There has been a change of personnel. Uh, the new doctor came in from Arsenal with a very good r- reputation. What is happening? Why is this happening? I remember a decade ago, United had um, a sponsorship deal with a, a Japanese electronics company where they talked up how lesser injuries would be much reduced because we've got all these fancy new machines that stop and help prevent soft tissue injuries. I don't know I don't know the answer. I don't know why. It's one of them where you're not going to be able to get an answer to it because an injury is an injury and you can't accuse someone of faking something if they are injured. But this season has been awful and I think if United would have had all the players out wouldn't have gone out of Europe at its worst playing Amrabat at left back was desperate because you had the three first-choice left-backs out. And that's how deep the injuries have cut this season. I think things will get better, but why am I thinking like that? Other players could still get injured. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, I did say at the top of the podcast that there was a bit more of an Ineos update to bring. There's going to be a lot of these uh, over the course of the next few weeks, I'm sure. We did mention it briefly, Laurie, at the start of the last podcast, didn't we, that, that Sir Jim Radcliffe and Sir Dave Brailsford were meeting staff and meeting Ten Hag, and uh, we've had more detail on exactly how that took place and, and what the, probably most interestingly, what the reaction has been from staff and, and the manager. Certainly. I mean, Ten Hag spoke about his own private meeting with Sir Dave Brailsford and Sir Jim Ratcliffe on Friday. So that happened on Wednesday. It was a long one by all accounts and he described it as very positive. He said, you know, it's only the first day, so you can't know for certain, but it feels like we can work together. So that that's an interesting aspect to consider. Um, I touch on that a little bit in a piece that I've done on, on Sir Dave Brailsford and his connections to football, because a lot of people have sort of wondered, well, this guy was, you know, great for cycling. Um, what can he do actually in the football industry? So I think we'll talk a little bit more on that in Thursday's podcast. Yeah, but I've I've got a flavour of, of of the Ten Hag situation in in that. So again, we'll come on to that on Thursday. But I do feel like the address that they then gave to the staff, um, they gave an address to the coaching staff as well within that, which was, uh, you know, basically saying we know what world class looks like. You know come with us or you know you might have to face the consequences i think it felt like a there was some collegiate element to it but also we're putting pressure on you now to perform and we're going to scrutinize all different systems and and personnel in place and then uh, subsequently to that on thursday they had an all staff meeting at old trafford where uh, brailsford and ratcliffe uh, were on stage and they addressed your sort of general staff around the club um, you know see people in the ticket office maybe or you know um, in the back room or the commercial departments and they're 
sort of the theme of their talk there again was this club has been failing, you know, and that was an acknowledgement that I don't think the hierarchy were comfortable making publicly previously. Um, so Richard Arnold, I think, you know, at the last uh, staff meeting that he gave was sort of saying that United were getting closer to City and were, were making strides. And, and it's probably a difficult position for him to be in, in that situation because I don't think he can sort of lay waste to everything that's been going on. Whereas with Ineos, they're coming in new and fresh and they can kind of be more honest and, and upfront and brutal. But I think that really invigorated the staff because I think they felt that at least we're getting some reality now and you know and also the fact that they wanted to make football the priority you know to Jim Ratcliffe said I'm not fussed about making a profit on this you know he's already put 1.3 billion dollars worth of his own money in um, to buy these shares he's going to put another 300 million in um, as equity into the club that the club then gets you know just uh, for him being um, the owner co-owner so he's not he's saying not fussed about making a return on that now clearly he's not just going to be throwing money away he, he wants to make it a, a worthwhile project and and kind of make good value for money but at the same time he's saying that he wants it to be football focused and, and winning titles and, and so they're they're absolutely sort of driven and focused on getting in the best people that they can um, and I think the staff whatever department you're in were were were, were glad to hear that message yeah, Andy, you wrote a piece over the weekend as well about where Manchester United are at, basically, in all aspects, heading into 2024. Obviously, the ownership situation was mentioned within that. But Laurie's point there about there being a focus on the football will be a hugely refreshing aspect for people working at the club, won't it, for many of them? Yeah, and those people have been worried about the jobs. And those worries don't just dissipate because of one positive meeting last Thursday. And it was a positive meeting. And I've spoke to members of staff who were there, even sceptical, cynical ones who felt that they'd heard it all before, came out of that thinking that was really impressive. And they were people going into that meeting. And that meeting was given the highest priority, by the way. I know people who've worked there for 10, 20, 30 years who've never seen a meeting given that level of priority. It was like, you turn up to this. And they've gone there and they've come out of it from all the people I've spoken to feeling this is good, this is much better. At previous staff meetings, there were themes where the commercial figures were talked up. We're doing well, we're the leaders in this field, we've just done this commercial deal. Ignore everything you read in the media And I'm like, we do our jobs diligently to report what's going on. And we have to tell it how it is. And we're not going to sugarcoat anything. And I'm sorry, but if you've lost nine league games by Christmas, you can't pretend that everything's well, because it absolutely is not, just because you've signed a new commercial deal. So good that um, Dave Brailsford, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, Ineos people are speaking to people in the real world. Mm. The Glazers haven't done this. That's that's a much different approach. Are turning up at Old Trafford? are writing to supporters groups, are communicating, are putting their own money in. The bar is so low under the Glazers that just by coming in and doing these simple things <laughs> can make... <laughs> yeah, just by turning up to the club just that you are. Just by being own. there, yeah, watching yeah. games. Yeah, wow. Just, you know, hello. Oh, wow, you've just spoke to me. You're my boss. <laughs> <laughs> Not like this for 18 years. So, so, so that's good. picking who to sit next to as well that, that's been a very intriguing aspect of this, these early days hasn't it Andy well we saw David Gill at, at Wigan Alex Ferguson has been matches the dynamics of it all are so interesting yeah. because there are people there who may lose their jobs and all being nice to each other and it, these people are 
a high level executive. This is how how it can work. And you're thinking, well, is he above him or is he below him? Is he going to work with him? Is he going to influence him? Well, you do find yourself looking like who's sat next to who, who's in front of who. I would love to know what point do you decide this. Like, How do they decide who's sat where? Surely, yeah. they're not just giving the tickets like, oh, I'm sat next to you today. They, they surely decide amongst themselves, don't they, where people sit. But at what point do they say, right, I'm going to sit next to you and, yeah. you know. Maybe they just get given that. like six tickets and as they're walking down the steps going, right, you're next to me. <laughs> you know, like how you decide the Christmas table, who sits where on yeah. the Christmas table. Maybe it's a bit like that. I don't know. Jean-Claude Blanc being there. Yeah, just yeah. on on the toy on the that as well. thing. Him yeah, being absolutely. there was a new thing, wasn't it? So that again is another sign. That, no, that that was on. really significant. That was my main take last night. Oh, he's there. You know, unless he's like a closet Wigan fan, that was like he's there, he's watching. <laughs> might just like pies. He might just like pies. Oh, speaking of pies, I nearly brought this up earlier. So we got a pie obviously at Wigan. You know, when he in was, Wigan, you, got... you were very excited to bring up this well, topic then, Larry. I didn't know this, right? So I, f- I found something out last night. Andy, you'll obviously know all about this. I presume you will as well, uh, Ian, being a bit of a yonner. yonner. But um, <laughs> so putting a pie inside inside a bap, inside Oof. a balm, and and that's a, a, a Wigan kebab. I've never heard of this, but have you people not? People were telling me, no, yeah, in the in the Instagram uh, in the messages, people were telling me get it in get it in a balm. Yeah. So, but yeah, is this is this like? A, am I just being a stupid idiot here by not knowing that? I think it's just a Wigan thing, to be fair. Right. As far as I but, know. But Did, Critch, Critch was raving about it. He said, oh, the flavour, it really adds to it. And I'm like, it's just more carbohydrate, isn't it? But I don't know, maybe the whole, you know, the textures he was saying, you know, really add to it. Sorry, I just, I know I got really excited. No, no, about, you're right. That, something I wanted to ask you so guys you're, about. You're saying that as a, as a runner and a former swimmer of someone who's conscious what they're eating. <laughs> from Stockport. From Critch yeah. is saying that because he's a yonner from Chorley. And to him... That's like yeah. the equivalent of going to yeah. a three-star Michelin restaurant. He's having a pie in between bread. I mean, he said the gravy was the the crucial element to it. If the gravy's in the pie, then it's is great. the bread buttered as well. Well, this is, is I said. I said surely you butter the bap, don't you? Yeah, he, yeah. He, he couldn't sauce. Uh, well, well. So <laughs> the, the the pickings in the press room at Wigan weren't great. So the, it was a meat and potato pie, which was which was fine, but it didn't have loads of flavour. But it had brown sauce sachets next to it but you can only figure out it was called it was brown sauce because it said brown sauce on it because the ingredients it had sort of listed like shown imagely on it uh was like apples and onions i was like oh there's apples in, in brown sauce and we googled it and yeah there is apples in brown sauce apparently so you learn something new every day i feel like this was a journey for you last night Laurie. <laughs> forget the football a, a culinary, a culinary experience, experience in Wigan. yeah exactly <laughs> you're not the first to have had one of Uncle them david was wigan's <laughs> kit man for a long time and he was given a FA Cup winners medal in 2013. He's a big United fan, oh, man. and he's so proud of that medal. And he takes it out with him. He shows him, and he had such a good time there. And the people of Wigan were so welcoming to him, and he was there at a, a good time as well. And he was in you know, a big social conduit in the dressing room. The players loved him. I haven't a few players who've half blanked me until I've said that my Uncle Dave was a kit man. What, you're related to Dave? And suddenly... <laughs> the door opens. Kit men have like got oh, a totally. mythological... So important. Uh, ...place. I mean, I think Albert, Albert Morgan was there yeah. last night, you know, as well, thinking about it. So he's still, you know... Is he being big, consulted he? as well? Well, he's Where an ambassador. He? I mean, he's, he's probably got some secrets, hasn't he? he's yeah, an ambassador, so. Albert. Yeah. So ambassadors, you would imagine, don't struggle for tickets. <laughs> no. <laughs> My Uncle Dave once introduced me to Roberto Martinez in Wigan's dressing room. 
I think Dave was a bit of a joker, Manchester lad. He'd give a bit of muscle to Martinez. You know, if you went to Arsenal away and the Arsenal bench got a bit 10 men, my uncle Dave would be like, you want some? Because <laughs> I'll levy you. you know, I'm, I'm not joking. Graham Barrow wouldn't have been behind the door with that either, I would say. Well, Graham and my uncle David both worked at Altrincham. That's how it all came about. Right, okay. So you had my brother up front with Colin Little and Rod Thornley for a time. Yeah, yeah. I would say that... They were probably the handiest team in non-league when we consider all of these people. <laughs> David once introduced me to Martinez and I spoke to him in Catalan. And Martinez gone, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait. How on earth are you related to him? Because... <laughs> He's a smart man, Martinez. He was there as well last night, wasn't he? But I think just Wigan surviving, given all they've been through and all the shaky owners they've had since Dave Whelan, who broke his leg in a cup final, he's never really said that before. <laughs> stepped aside and did a lot of good things for Wigan Athletic. Just the fact that they've survived is, is is an achievement and it was a bit of a payday for them. And We touched on it in the last podcast. I miss all these greater Manchester or close to Manchester away games where you get a huge allocation and 7,000 at Wigan, no one's grumbling there. Sounded good. Yeah, we were opposite them. You know, They got a side, it wasn't a way end. It yeah. was a whole You always did, didn't you, at Wigan? You just got the line. end. Yeah. Well, that's it. I, I remember I was like I was, I was trying to think back to the games that I'd gone to there. So I, I was there at three one when Solskjaer scored late on, and just remembered it was it'd been a great sort of atmosphere. As Andy's saying you're behind the goal, but then they, they sounded in good voice. It was really it was oversubscribed, wasn't it? It was like four to one, I think, yeah. for subscriptions to the number of tickets they had. So it was a hot uh, seat to get. And I mean, yeah, I guess it'll be similar for Newport Oof. or Eastley. I mean, yeah, that'll be oh my god, golden ticket that one. If it's seven thousand. Uh- at Wigan, you'd be lucky to get 700 at Eastley. Yeah. So Even with the temporary stands that may or may not <laughs> contradict the uh, local geography of the car park, uh, I'm sure they'll find a way around it. Let's bring it back to Manchester United. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. January transfer window is open, clearly. Again, Laurie, it's something we talked about a little bit on the last podcast, but Ten Hag has now spoken as well. So do we have a little bit more clarity about what's going on with uh, with potential incomings and Jaden Sancho? I mean, obviously there's been no movement on that as yet. Yeah, so it's interesting that the Sancho thing hasn't gone through because I think the Dortmund end were thinking that it was going to get finalised for their warm weather training camp uh, this weekend. But yeah, there's still some things to be... Uh, sort of figured out there and yeah I mean Tenag was asked about it last night in terms of you know the injury situation yeah, how at what point do you then think right well actually I do need to get somebody in uh, and as we touched on I think you know one or two loans is, is the max it, we're told repeatedly that you know financial fair play profit and sustainability rules just mean that United can't do anything broader than that um, you know for example Kerin Benzema I think there was some some suggestion about him in the media um, I, I checked it out and I, I've told there's been no, nothing to that you know United just can't 
can't do that kind of deal. Um, but yeah, I guess <laughs> famous last words. But um, and obviously Ineos being involved, they have to be consulted if it's any deviation from the transfers plan that was actually set in stone, written down, uh, whilst all this deal was getting signed off. So Tenag, you know, his response last night to that kind of question was, you know, we consider everything the best interest of the player and for us, our team. We will see how it progresses during the window. So he's not shutting the door on on making additions there. And I guess it just. As ever with January and United, it's circumstances, isn't it? You know, I remember when uh, a few seasons ago, United lost at home to Burnley 2-0 and that was the trigger for them to then go and bribe Bruno Fernandes, that window, you know, bring it all forward from the summer. So you can never write anything off depending on results. The contracts as well, Hannibal, we didn't know about, did we, Andy? He's yeah, he's had his contract uh, renewed as well as Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Victor Lindelof with those one-year options. So they, they've all been added on uh, for another season. Rafael Varane and Anthony Martial are the two that haven't. Again, it's something we mentioned briefly on the last one, but then Ten Hag really took a massive spoon to this situation <laughs> in his press conference by suggesting that Varane and Martial are, are in discussions with United and... I don't know whether he didn't explain it fully or whether people filled in the gaps and, and made stories out of it, but it, it did create a bit of a, a stir that on Friday. Well, you can be in discussions, but the discussions might not be to what you want them to be. It might be like, yeah. cheers for your efforts and do one. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I can discuss with Andy what cocktail I want and it might end with me getting no drink at all. A pint of lager. Yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah. Ten Hag's English is not absolutely perfect and some things do get slightly twisted feel almost guilty saying this because I couldn't string two words together in Dutch. Um, so we, we should cut him some slack there. But I thought you were going to say English then, but I was saying, you know, I, I bet you carry on. <laughs> I tell you, I, this, this weekend I went to the mountains, right? And this fella comes up to me in the street. Hey, Andy, how are you doing? Yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah, sound, pretending to know him. How's Eric? I said, yeah, fine. Thinking, who's this? I sort of recognise him. He said, yeah, we used to play together at 20. Right, yeah. He said, you still see Ivan? I'm thinking, I know who he is. It's a guy who used to own a bar in Barcelona who sponsored our football team years ago. Ah. And, um, wow. How do these things happen to you? How did you get sponsored years ago by a guy who owned a bar and then it turns <laughs> out with- he actually used to play with now Manchester United's current manager at FC20? So I started a team in 06 called Manchester. And United sort of helped us with kits out. Rooney signed them all. Rooney came to Barcelona. And I, I was desperate for a sponsor because no one believed in my vision of my team. And I went into this bar <laughs> where a lad called Robbie Dunn basically went, here's a grand. I'll never forget that. So I ran the team for three years, but then real life took took over. And then this is the guy who sponsored us. He had a bar called Mix. It was like the coolest bar in Barcelona. So he was telling me last night. And called it was Mix. Called Mix. It was brilliant. It was in the born in Barcelona. Sounds like it's in Wigan rather Wait, than Barcelona. M- M- yeah, M I C K apostrophe not M I X. Yeah. So he's so he's. I thought it was like oh, not Mix. Mix. Right. So I knew him years ago, but I didn't know that he played with Ten Hag because when I knew him better, it's fifteen years ago. And why would he mention people he used to play with? Uh, um, FC20. Exactly. So yesterday in, in the street in the Pernese, oh, sorry, yeah, it was yesterday, <laughs> um, stood around snow and it's minus six. He said, yeah, me and me and Eric played there. His career went one way and mine went the other way. I said, did you play first team? He said, no, not quite. And he ended up running bars. So I suspect he probably got slightly sidetracked. But he said, Ajax did come to Barcelona for a post-season 
um, trip. And I remember this because remember, like, Frankie de Jong was just about to sign for Barcelona. He said, Eric got back in touch with me and they all came into my bar. And it was fantastic. It was in the days before people taking mobile phones. I said, don't actually think that's quite true. It was only four or five years ago. <laughs> no. Eric's a good dancer. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, Eric's a good dancer, was my takeaway from that chat in a mountain pass. Well, we've seen him on the pitch after they won the Carabao, recreating the dance with Martinez and Anthony that he did at Ajax when they won the trophy, the, the Eredivisie. So, yeah. okay. And you think this guy would be a good judge of Well, I mean, he, uh, he owns a bar, so he probably sees quite a few people dancing, yeah, yeah, okay. except he doesn't yeah. own it anymore because he's done one to live in, in the mountains. So... I'm having, and then he introduced me to do to two other Dutch people, and I'm talking about Eric Ten Hag, and the other Dutch person who was a dentist said, "I'm a fan of FC Utrecht, and Eric did really well at our club, uh-huh. and we all really like him." So we were just all nodding and saying what a decent person Eric Ten Hag was in the middle of a street in Andorra, and I only went out to get a coffee. <laughs> These things just happen well, to Andy they do, Mitten, don't I mean, they? <laughs> Quite simply. I love how your accusation that he couldn't string two words together in English prompted that massive tangent, which yeah. is actually, you know, very rich in text. I um I told me mates when I went back to, to the hotel that I've just bumped into a guy. I told them told them the story. I'm sure they're half thinking, is this even true? So we went back out of my car and I seen him again in the street. I went beep, 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 pulled up. He went, Hey, Andy. And uh <laughs> yeah, he sound Michele's called. I remember him. I just, I just, um, I don't have the talent for remembering faces like some of um, just need a bit of a prompt do, But I've got my memories good in other ways, obviously. Well, it's a bit out of context as well, isn't it? When when a person is saying hello to you in you, the mountains, it's not the same way as you know you remember them. It's yeah, difficult to picture them. Should we just clarify before we end this podcast, then, Laurie Varane and Martial? <laughs> what did Tenag actually say, and what did he actually mean? <laughs> Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Let's 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 get it back to the real stuff. Sure. Uh, he he said they're in discussions. I think some people interpreted that, and I guess this is maybe on Tenag not making clear what he meant. I don't know. Maybe he he was making clear what he meant, and he, he didn't mind. But yeah, some people interpreted that as Marshall's getting a contract extension. I'm pretty sure he isn't. And you know, these discussions are just. What does Marshall potential exit look like for him? Um, you know, and Varane, I don't know, it's, it's, it's probably a little bit up in the air with Varane. But again, the story that we did actually a few weeks ago when it was saying that his contract is actually up this summer rather than 2025 as, as originally um, sort of publicised by United was, was you know, relevant because now we're getting into the situation where, yeah, they, they are. Are, are you going to extend or are you going to... I think the idea is that, as with De Gea, they're on sort of really good salaries. So if you want to stay, you know, we'll offer you less. I don't. I don't even think it's going to be at that situation with Marshall with around probably that. That's the picture, um, and it's up to them whether they want to accept that or not. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that after our meandering trip through the Andorran mountains and all the associated people that you meet on such trips. Uh, if you want to know more about the Ineos updates that we've talked about today, there's lots of detail in the Athletics articles on the entire situation. Also, Andy's report on Manchester United heading into 2024 and all the stuff from Wigan last night as well. If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up now at theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. It's $1.99 a month for the first 12 months, the current offer at the minute. Uh, So head there and sign up now. We'll be back on Thursday. And like Laurie teased before, 
We'll be talking about Sir Dave Brailsford, exactly what football credentials he's got to perform this review of Manchester United at the moment. And obviously, it's United. Lots of things will happen in the next two days, as they always do. But Andy, Laurie, thank you so much for being with us as always. And thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.